Hey y'all, this is Trent, and I am part of No Balls Worship. We are the fourth service of Bee Creek UMC. You got your 815, you got your 930, you got your 11, and then you got us. We are a mobile service. We're mobile. We move around. <laughs> we're, we're like the, the taco truck outside of a construction site of churches. But it's uh, February 3rd, Saturday night, and I'm getting ready for service tomorrow at Sycamore Creek Events. It's the little spot over there across from Opie's General Store. Uh, we've been, as you know, we've been over there just about every first of the month uh, for the last few months. And then on the third Sunday of the month, we've been hitting up the spot out there on Pace Bend Road where the Bee Creek Makers Market is and the Crystal Creek Distillery. Uh, last Sunday or two Sundays back was our first one on inside Crystal Creek, and that was super cool. And we're gonna be doing that again the third Sunday, so February fourth tomorrow. Uh, well, by the time you hear this, either yesterday or last week, but uh, February fourth at Sycamore Creek, then February eighteenth at Crystal Creek, part of Bee Creek. We're gonna go over to Double Horn Creek. It's a uh, it's a lot of creeks. But we're also planning for our Easter Eve service, uh, which that's a little funny, right? We um, a little off to do an Easter Eve service, but we're, we're I guess we're a little off too. But that's going to be March 30th. It's crawfish. It's music. It's an encouraging word. Uh, we had a great time last year. I think it's going to be a, I don't think I, I know it's going to be a great time again this year. Um. Y'all, I think that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll into this, and the title of this week's message is You Thought I Was Cruel, with a question mark. You Thought I Was Cruel. It's occurring to me right now that uh, this is going to be the last ser- uh, service I get ready for and the last one I record uh, in this house, y'all know that we're building a house, Mitzi and I, and we'll be moving in in a couple of weeks, God willing. And um, so I'm gonna have to find a new quiet spot in the new house to to do this. For the last year, I've been upstairs. I'm in my oldest daughter's room, which doubles as Mitzi's office. It's a little cramped, but it's the quietest spot in the house. And anyway, um, I'll roll into the message title again is you thought I was cruel with a question mark here we go y'all know that I've I've worked for the bank for a long time 18 years and for three years in the middle part of my career with them the middle part my job was to be a corporate trainer and the main class that I taught was a leadership and management class. It was a three-day session. And y'all, three days of me is even too much me for me. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd teach this class and then do follow-up visits with the manager at their site. So I got to do a mix of classroom stuff and out-in-the-field stuff, which I really liked a lot. But anyway, I've, I've been doing this role for a while where I was training in the classroom and then they started asking me to do custom training. 
So when there would be a need in the market, they'd, um, when there was a need in the market and, and there wasn't any training for it and corporate curriculum for it, they'd ask me to write something and I'd write it and then I'd go start traveling around delivering it. So I was doing one of these sessions, you can call it a workshop, in Lubbock, Texas. And I'm not sure that this was the my very first time in Lubbock, but it was probably one of my first times. And so it was a newish group of people. And if my memory serves, there was a, I'm picturing it now, there was a level of management um, up above the level of manager that I was used to teaching to. And um, so add that to new city, new people, new content. I'm a little nervous, but you know, I got up there and I was doing my thing and you know, I feel like it's going good, but in the back left corner of the room, right back over there, there's this woman Y'all, like, <laughs> I'm, like, in the room right now. I can see it again. On the right, there's this floor-to-ceiling bank of windows with those clinky, plasticky, pull-the-string-to-open-close, pull-the-string-to-slide-the-plastic-curtains-closed um, on a track. And then on the left-hand side, I remember the the wallpaper was that weird 80s wall texture that looks almost linen-y, uh, maybe 90s, I don't know, but almost a linen pattern and it felt plastic to the touch. But um, anyway, I'm I'm laying down what I think is some good training and I'm feeling like it's going well. But y'all, there's this woman in the back left-hand corner that hates me. <laughs> I I can feel that this woman hates me and I'll ask a question in this, the right side of the room, they're answering. So I start positioning myself more to the left and I even start walking and moving my position closer to her table. I'm, I'm dying to get her talking to get some kind of involvement from her, but I mean, there's nothing and it's starting to get to me a little bit. So I start fumbling my words some and, I'm doing that thing where you wouldn't know I was getting nervous except for if you were watching the paper in my hand and you could see the end of the paper shaking a little more than it should be. And it's not just that she's not answering any questions. She's not participating. It's when I say something, I, I see her like lean over and whisper to the person at the table. And I, I can just tell that she's saying nasty things about the stuff I'm saying. and And she's... The whole time I'm talking, she's just writing. She's doing other work while I'm talking, and she won't even get into groups. She won't make eye contact with me. This woman, back left-hand corner, she hates me. <laughs> so, man, at this, at a certain point, I'm just ready to sit down. It's getting to me that much, and I start rushing through my content. I skip a couple of slides and just... Finally, I get through it, and afterwards, I'm sitting around talking to the consultant who brought me in to do the class, and she's asking me how I felt it went, and I'm all, you know, fine, fine, and then <laughs> I didn't want to, but I, I finally just unload on her, and I go, well, well what in the hell was wrong? <laughs> 
<laughs> what in the hell was wrong with so-and-so? And I launch into the details I just shared with you, everything I was perceiving from standing at the front of the room. But I'm not doing it funny or soft like I'm doing it here. I'm doing it angry and accusing. I'm saying things like, she must be a terrible manager. That was so rude. Y'all, I was on the defensive. And my friend, she's looking at me with these wide eyes she looks surprised, but then I see this look that's a mix of hesitancy and a dash of pity, and mostly I can see kindness coming. But she says to me, Trent, did you see Barbara working on that notepad? That woman that I said hates me, her name is Barbara. My friend says to me, she says, she had pages and pages of notes. Trent, she was writing down every word you said. She's just terribly, terribly shy. And I mean, Trent, she struggles to speak in public, even with people on her own team. It's a phobia. And and actually, I, I talked to her. We're friends. And Trent, she was so grateful you traveled here from Dallas to teach us. And she wanted to tell me thank you, but even that was hard for her, so she asked me to say thanks instead. She said, Trent, we don't get a lot of visitors from the corporate office to Lubbock, so just having you here was a big deal to us. This was Barbara. I thought Barbara hated me. I was wrong. Now I want to tell you a story that Jesus told. He told a story about servants receiving gifts from their master. And y'all, I've, I've heard this particular parable used in different ways, and they've emphasized different parts of it. I've, I've heard it preached as a story about judgment and how God judges and I've heard it preached as an illustration on our responsibility to use our gifts, our talents. And I've even heard it preached as evidence of the prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. Do y'all know what the prosperity gospel is? I'm, I'm, hmm. I'm being rude here and I don't mean to be, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but folks that are critical of the prosperity gospel will say, Basically, it's if you love and trust God, you will be wealthy and good-looking. God wants you to be prosperous. And um, I'm not I'm not smart enough, and I'm not here to tell you that those things are wrong. But <clears throat> there is a part in this story. As I look at the words, there's this phrase that pulses to me, and. Y'all, that happens sometimes when I'm getting ready. There will be a, a thread and a story, a detail in a story that screams at me, Trent, this is it. This is the thing to talk about. This is the area to dig in and around. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read from you the story, read for you the story. It's from Matthew chapter 25, and the verses are going to be 14 through 27. 
The story is called The Parable of the Three Servants. And I'm reading to you from the Good News Testament, or no, sorry, the Good News Translation, because I like this one. All right, verse 14. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Once there was a man who was about to leave home on a trip, he called his servants and put them in charge of his property. He gave to each one according to his ability. To one he gave 5,000 gold coins, to another he gave 2,000, and to another he gave 1,000. Then he left on his trip. The servant who had received 5,000 coins went at once and invested his money and earned another 5,000. In that very same way, the servant who had received 2,000 coins earned another 2,000. But the servant who had received 1,000 coins went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The servant who had received 5,000 coins came in and he handed over the 5,000 He said, Master, you gave me 5,000 coins, sir. He said, Look, exclamation point, here are another 5,000 I have earned. The master says, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in managing small amounts, so I will put you in charge of large amounts. Come on in and share my happiness, exclamation Then there was the other servant who had been given 2,000 coins, and he came in and said, Sir, you gave me 2,000 coins. Look, exclamation. Here are another 2,000 that I have earned. And the master says, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in managing small amounts, so I'll put you in charge of large amounts. Come on in and share my happiness, exclamation point. Verse 24. Then the servant who had received 1,000 coins, he came in and said, Sir, I know you to be a hard man. You reap harvests where you do not plant, and you gather crops where you did not scatter seed. I was afraid. I was afraid of you. So I went off and I hid your money in the ground. Look, exclamation point, here is what belongs to you. Verse 26, his master said, you knew, did you, that I reap harvests where I did not plant and I gather crops where I did not scatter seed? Question mark. Well then, You should have at least deposited my money in the bank, and I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. There's a lot of good stuff happening in this story, and I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version, the the teeny tiny quick version. Three dudes, all given an opportunity to do good, One screws it up. That's the short version. (coughs) And the point 
point of my message today, the thing I want you to see really clearly is exactly what that screw up is. But first I want you to see a few things that are important to understand that screw up. Here's the first thing, and I'm, I'm so excited about this. There's banking in this story. There's banking, not baking, like baking muffins. There's banking, like I work at the bank. That's right up my alley, y'all. At the end of the story, <clears throat> the master says to the servant that screws up, he says, man, you didn't even have to do anything with the money. <laughs> I'm interpreting, obviously. You didn't need to start a business. You didn't need to develop a rental property. You could have just put this money in the bank, and then at least there would have been interest. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. And y'all, um, come see me after if you've got some gold coins laying around because... I've got a real good competitive new money rate on CDs right now at the bank. But uh, but what I want you to see is that this information, that there's a banking system, is so important. Because, y'all, this story, like most of Jesus' stories, is, is kind of absurd. And, y'all, I, and that's what I think we forget. I think I forget sometimes that Jesus was a radical. The FBI doesn't pay off an inside informant to deliver sweet baby Jesus. They don't they don't nearly whip to death the loving, long hair flowing, perp plus shampooing, lamb hugging Jesus. The this Jesus is radical and his stories are radical and they would have been getting people's attention. They would have sounded absurd. So the master in this story he goes away And instead of putting his money in the bank, FDIC insured in a great new money rate CD, he instead gives his money to the servants. He gives his money to the servants. And he says, I trust you with this. Help me grow the estate. Let's be partners Y'all, let's be in business together. We can do great things. And y'all, this is a sidebar, but I think it's important to know that this parable is being told towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He's understanding. He's hearing the whispers. It's becoming really apparent to him that he's causing problems, and he knows he's going to die. And this is the story he tells. It's an absurd story. And y'all, this was no small sum of money. The translation I read you called it gold coins. 5,000, 2,000, and 1,000. In another version, another translation, they're called talents. And that's not to mean that you're good at juggling, not that kind of talent. Talent was a unit of measurement at the time that was equivalent to something like 75 pounds. There's a couple different ways to get at this, but scholars generally agree that 
what the master gives the servants is an absurd amount of money. If we were just to use the gold coins, which is a fair way to do it, and assume that each of the coins weighed only an ounce, using, you know, today's, actually I looked it up today, today's price of gold, you're talking about 1,000 gold coins being worth over $1.3 million. The five talents would have been 6.6 million dollars. Y'all, the servant buried 1.3 million dollars in the ground. If I was the master, I would have said, "You did what? You did what? You buried that money in the ground, y'all." If I gave you 1.3 million dollars and you buried it in the ground while I was gone for a year. And it said the master was gone for a very long time. I don't, we don't know how long that was, but let me just say, if I gave you 1.3 million and you buried it and I was gone just a year and literally I'm thinking about this new money, (laughs) this new money rate that I have, you could have earned about a thousand dollars a month, just an interest on that money. You know, I, I could honestly say if you did that I wouldn't be inviting you back but but hear this 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 burying it in the ground this not putting it in the bank this this wasn't the screw up the real screw up we can see in the conversation between the master and the last servant He sees the reward and the joy the servant does, the last servant. He sees the reward and the joy of the two servants that go before. And he approaches the master and he says this, Master, when I think about you, in my head I picture a hard man. You reap where you do not sow. You harvest where you have not planted. In essence, he's saying, you are a thief and you expect too much from us. The last servant says, you are cruel. I was scared of you. So I put my money, I put your money in the ground. But I want you to notice The master's first response wasn't my first response. My first response was, you put the money in the ground. (laughs) You could have put it in the bank. The master's first response was, you thought I was cruel? And there's a question mark there. And I don't know about you, But I, um, I feel the heartbreak in that question mark. You think I'm cruel. You think I'm cruel. You think I haven't planted here. You don't, you don't see what I've invested in you. 
You don't see, you don't understand the size of this gift. You, you don't look around and see everything I have made possible. You, you don't, you don't see how I long, how my heart breaks for you to be happy. I want nothing, nothing more than for you to have joy. And y'all, this is the mistake. To me, and I hope you see it too, this is the sun. This is the sun at the center of this universe, of this parable around which everything else revolves. You thought I was cruel. You thought I was cruel. And in some ways, this story is about a fundamental flaw, the servant's mindset. He believes the master is cruel. He believes that the deck is stacked against him. He thinks the forces of the universe are unkind. Friends, go out into the world looking for ugliness, and I promise you, you will find ugliness. Go out into the world looking for beauty and kindness and grace, and I promise you will find it. This story is about a fundamental flaw, but it's also about small shifts. The flaw wasn't what happened to the coins, those $1.3 million of coins buried in the ground. The flaw was in the servant's fear. The very beginning of the decision to bury those coins in the ground was one simple thought. The master is cruel. John told me this story. Um, John Kent, our awesome musician. He told, he told me this story once about his lemon juicer. Some of y'all know John does long juice cleanses from time to time. He'll go 21 days. He's gone as long as 40 days, I believe. He'll do these long juice cleanses. and So John is smart about juice. <laughs> Hear that? John is smart about juice. And y'all know those those lemon juicers where you put the lemon inside and it's got the two levers and you pull, push down on the levers. Well, he was sharing with me that for years and years and years, he's been loading the lemon backwards in his juicer. And I, I don't, you're gonna have to ask John if you see him, which side of the lemon it's supposed to be up or down. And I don't even know. I don't have one of those kind. But when he finally got it right, just as like a month or two ago, <laughs> when he finally got it right, he said, Trent, so much more juice comes out when I get it right. Life got instantly easier. And it was a simple change, a simple decision, just one small thing. And y'all, I think this decision is so simple too. I don't know that it's an easy decision because... 
Lord knows life is hard and sometimes God can feel absent, but it's a simple choice. God is for me or God is against me. God is loving and kind or God is judgmental and cruel. This last servant said, but master, I thought you were cruel. Do y'all remember Barbara, the woman that hated me? I learned from that training experience. I learned not to suspect that I was on, that what I saw on the surface was everything that was going on. And y'all, I'm not sure I learned this right away. What I learned over time was that when I saw someone that I felt was not loving my class, they were not dialed in and super engaged, on break, I'd make it a point to go talk to them. And I'd just simply find out their story a little bit. I'd ask why they were there, their background, and nine times out of ten, I was dead wrong about how they were experiencing things. And I remember this one guy was having that same feeling. Like, he's he's hating every minute of this. He thinks I'm a moron. But when we visited on break, I found out he was a very experienced manager at another bank. And he'd recently gotten a job with us. And he admitted to me that he was feeling a little overwhelmed by our terminology. So like learning a whole new language system sometimes, joining a different corporate office and defensively, I think he didn't say this, but I think he was defensively kind of tuning out. But I was, I was excited about his experience leading people and because that goes beyond our language and I encouraged him to share and I can't say that it was a 180, but he did start to share and the whole experience got deeper and more meaningful because he was involved. And y'all, I'm as I'm wrapping this up, I'm thinking to myself that this sounds silly. <laughs> you know, bank training programs and trainers and participants and the fragileness of my ego as I was teaching these classes. But here's where I think it fits. Whatever this is, whatever this is that we're a part of, this life, this universe, this reality of spinning planets, this reality of quantum physics and dark matter and DNA, y'all, we are all beans in this soup. And You might be a piece of corn <laughs> or a noodle, but but y'all, we are all participants in whatever this is. And we have one simple, not easy, but a fundamental choice to make. And the choice is, is the master kind 
or is the master cruel? That's it. I had fun with y'all. I look forward to next time.